You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are continuing our series with, Path- with Pastor Keith Haney, author of One Nation Under God, Healing the Racial Divides in America. Today, we move into session three, Who is My Neighbor? Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us to continue the series today, the Reverend Keith Haney. He's author of One Nation Under God, Healing the Racial Divides in America, a Bible study available from Concordia Publishing House. He's also assistant to the President for Missions, Human Care, and Stewardship for LCMS Iowa District West. Pastor Haney, welcome back to the Coffee Hour. Oh, it's a pleasure to be with you guys again. So in our previous session, uh, in our previous conversations, we gained some insights on the depth of the racial divides in America and how Satan is the real enemy working to divide us and hinder that gospel work of, his, of God's church on earth. So today, we're going to dig in deeper to better understand who is my neighbor and how I'm given to love and serve my neighbor. So let's start with that word neighbor. Uh, when we use that term neighbor, such as, you know, love thy neighbor, what do we often picture in our minds when we use that word neighbor? Well, the lawyer, when he heard that term, he thought about people who were like himself, people in his own circle group, people he agreed with. In our case, people he politically understand with or we're on the same page with. Uh, but Jesus wanted to expand that beyond just the people in our close proximity or those who act and think like us. How do we normally uh, maybe associate that with our surroundings? Do we do we follow uh, more of the, the the rich man or what Jesus wants us to do? I think we're more comfortable following what the lawyer did. It's like <laughs> I'm okay with those people who politically agree with me, religiously agree with me, look like me. If you go and study just human behavior, when you go to a school setting and you watch who the kids are sitting with you'll notice that people are often clumped into like-minded categories. So we typically, our, our, our comfort zone would say, let me find somebody who looks like me, maybe agrees with me because I'm more comfortable with people who I, I, who I agree with ideologically or just in general. So, I wonder why we do that. We don't I, like I being uncomfortable. Here, right? What <laughs> we don't like being uncomfortable. Yeah. I suppose so. But I mean, why we, why we look for people that look like us, that that's interesting when we step back and, and think about it. Why do we always, why are we inclined to, to associate with people that, that look like us? Hmm. All right. So take us into God's word for a clearer picture of who is my neighbor. I love this parable. This is one of my favorite parables because Jesus throws so many curveballs in this parable. It starts out with a man who's walking down on his way to Jerusalem and he gets attacked by robbers. And if you study the history of that context, that was a very dangerous path. So everybody traveling down that road knew it was a very dangerous route to Jerusalem. And so he gets attacked, he's left for half dead. And then all of a sudden a priest comes by. Now in our modern day setting, we're thinking, oh, this guy is okay because here comes the pastor. Here comes the priest. He'll definitely stop to help him. But he looks at him. He kind of goes, eh, I'm not so sure about this. It could be a setup. Maybe there's robbers waiting for me. Maybe he's just lying here, hoping I stop and I get attacked. So he just kind of 
passes by on the other side. You're going to go, wow, is that really what the Christian should do? So then comes a Levi, you know, guy works in a church. I call him the um, <laughs> off the gill on steroids, but Levi is where they were responsible for the upkeep of the church and temple. And he comes by, runs across the man, also doesn't stop, but passes by on the other side. And then the parable takes this unusual twist because here comes a Samaritan who sees this guy who we know is most likely a Jew from the context and they're, they're enemies. And you know for a fact that people hearing this are going, well, if this guy is coming by, he's definitely not going to stop and help. And so Jesus says, no, but he had compassion on him. And he truly was neighbor. So then Jesus turns back to the lawyer and says, which of those three people was neighbor? And if you look at the, the, the translation in the, in the scripture there, it's really interesting because the, the lawyer did not say the Samaritan was neighbor, but he said the one who showed him mercy. So you could see just in his answer, the tension was so tight and so much that he couldn't even bring himself to say the Samaritan showed him mercy. So the, the parable we're looking at today is Luke chapter 10, right? Right. 25 to 37. The, 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 the parable of the, the, the Good Samaritan. What's significant about the relationship between Jews and Samaritans? That connection goes back to the fall of Jerusalem. Um, when the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem and they took off a remnant of the people of the people in the city back to Assyria and Babylon. And what they did was those Jews who were there intermarried with the Assyrians and they formed this race of new people called Samaritans. And so Samaritans were part Jew and part Assyrian. And so there was that tension because in the mindset of the Jewish people, they were not pure Jews. They, they had abandoned their heritage and intermarried with these these people who destroyed the city. And so that tension goes back to, I think, 722 BC. And for 500 years, there's constant conflict. There's times when the Samaritans went into the temple right before a holy event, I think it was like Passover, and they threw dead fish in the, in the temple just so the mm -hmm. Jews couldn't worship at Passover. Mm -hmm. And the Jews would come back and they would destroy the Samaritan temple just to kind of, you know, get back at them. So there was always this racial tension, this anger between Jew and Samaritan. And they were hated enemies of each other. And so you can see that for a Samaritan to have mercy on a Jew who would give, wouldn't give him the time of day was really unusual in that context. What can we learn from, uh, from these, these instances? We've heard this, this parable probably countless times, and, and it always comes up when we talk about loving our neighbors. Uh, but what can we learn about this? Uh, because it was such a uh, a hard act, uh, something that that just wasn't uh, wasn't a normal thing. I would almost not call it neighbor. If you want to really kind of hit home with people today, you better say love your enemy, mm -hmm. because that's really what you had here. It's like you didn't have someone that you would even consider neighbor, someone you would consider on the same par with you. But Jesus says, even the person you would consider your mortal enemy is your neighbor. And he gives us a really clear blueprint about what that looks like. How do we love neighbor? And, and I look at the word um, compassion as a combination of really two things. It's, it's mercy and action. 
And so for me, yes, the, the Samaritan had compassion. And I can go on TV at night, and if you stay up really late, you'll see those ads come on TV where there's this poor dog, and you know he's he's been abused, and he's in a shelter, and he's shaking and shivering, and they're saying, you should have compassion, and you should adopt one of these dogs. Now, I may be moved to go, yeah, that's terrible, and 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 have compassion, but it might just stop there. I go, yeah, it'd be nice to have a dog. I don't really want a dog, especially not a dog with problems. <laughs> so you just turn the TV and go to bed. But mercy requires that you also have action attached to it. And so the Samaritan looked at the, the person who was hurt, this Jew on the ground. He got off his donkey. He bandaged his wounds. He put him on his donkey. He took him to town. He paid for all the expenses that he had. And he said to the innkeeper, if there are more, I'll pay for that too. He went far beyond just the, oh, that's terrible and had empathy, but he had true mercy where he actually did something about the compassion that he had. So mercy equals compassion plus action? Right. Hmm. And, and this compassion is, is not limited to people who look like me, think like me, share my worldview, my ideology. Correct. I imagine, yeah. and especially this political season, if we could somehow have mercy, mm -hmm. maybe we our conversation would be a little different than we have right now. Maybe they mm -hmm. wouldn't be so divided, so toxic, so angry. Maybe the issues of race wouldn't be so toxic, such a hot button issue. Because if we looked at it from the point of mercy, we would go, okay, I can look at what happened to a George Floyd. I can look what happened to a Breonna Taylor. I can look what happened with a couple of these other incidents and go, okay, I have compassion for people who are in that situation, but it doesn't just stop there. Now my compassion leads me to ask the question, what can I do? What action should I take? And if, the, if we have mercy for our neighbor, then we're not just having sympathy or empathy because we see them in a bad situation, but we're saying, I am compelled by the love of Christ now to do something about this compassion I have for people. And that's truly mercy. Hmm. Compassion plus action equals mercy. That's helpful. Uh, we have, we have more to dig into uh, in this, this study, uh, Who is My Neighbor? This is session three in One Nation Under God. And we're, we're certainly not covering the whole study. That's why you go to CPH and, and, and get the, the study to, to do in your own congregation or in your own family. Uh, we're, but we're, we're just kind of cutting the, into the surface here of, of this study and what you can learn in a small group or in your in your congregation if you do this study together. Um, we have more to talk about when we come back in just a moment. Uh, we're going to talk more about who is my neighbor, what is what is mercy and, and compassion and action, all more with, with uh, Pastor Haney here on The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. 
Concordia University. It's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We're continuing our series, One Nation Under God, Healing the Racial Divides in America with Pastor Keith Haney. This is, it's a Bible study available from Concordia Publishing House. Today, we're looking at session three, Who is My Neighbor? And uh, we've been talking about uh, defining neighbor, understanding what neighbor means, particularly how how Jesus teaches who our neighbor is from uh, his parables uh, recorded in Luke chapter 10, the parable of the Good Samaritan, and we're learning about neighbor there. Uh, but what is mercy, compassion plus action, as Pastor Haney taught us in just a little bit ago. Going back to the relationship between the the Jews and the Samaritans, why is it helpful to know the history of these people groups to better understand their relationship? You gave us a, a bit of the history there uh, just a few minutes ago, Pastor Haney. Why is it helpful to know this history in order to better understand their relationship? Because it gives us insight into the Bible. The parable of the woman at the well, or the story of the woman at the well, also a Samaritan. Uh, if you look at what happened, even with that story, Jesus went out of his way to go through Samaritan territory. So it wasn't just he happened to run across this woman. He intentionally went into Samaritan territory to intentionally have this conversation. He went to break down walls and barriers. And I think for us, the lesson for us today is we need to understand that our Jesus was not just a Jesus for the Jews, but he intentionally tried to interact with Gentiles, with Samaritans, with the outcasts, uh, with sinners, and he poured into them the gospel and made a difference in their life by giving them the truth of God's word. So for us, the lesson is, if we're going to be like Jesus, then we have to go into places, into neighborhoods, talk to people that we wouldn't consider neighbor, may not consider on equal par with us, and if we want to be like Jesus, we have to learn to love them with the kind of mercy and compassion that Jesus did. Bringing that to our present day, uh, we talked about uh, some of the, the history of Black Americans in our previous sessions on this. How is that history helpful for us to know how to uh, connect with people that, that we may not know? Well, it's helpful because I think you you have a hard time having compassion for people if you don't truly understand their story. And what we're missing today is a conversation about the story, the history, the background, how did you get to the place you're at? By ignoring that story, you devalue people. You devalue their history, you devalue their struggle. And we want we want to devalue because we don't like the way the story is. We, it's like we're uncomfortable with the story. We don't want to take personal responsibility for the story or even acknowledge that our ancestors had some part of the story or we're still contributing to the pain of the story. So by just ignoring it, we kind of go, well, you should just be over that by now. <laughs> but if you think about your own life and some of the painful situations in life, Imagine sharing with somebody about maybe a traumatic death in your family. Maybe it was your mother or a father. And you say, yeah, this is this always affected me. Every time I ha we have Father's Day, I, I can't stop thinking about my dad who died of a heart attack before he was 25. 
Now imagine the person you're sharing that with going, ah, oh, just get over it. You're 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 50 now. You should be over that death of your father by now. Hmm. And you just ignore the pain that that person and the struggle they're still dealing with by just saying, yeah, it's not that important. Mm -hmm. How does that then connect to uh, being helpful and showing love in a way that is needed by the neighbor rather than uh, rather than showing love in, in what you think personally uh, is is the right way to do it? If I know your struggle and know your story, I can better understand how I can help you. Uh, when I work with, I used to work with couples all the time. One of the questions I'd always ask is, okay, you've been dealing with this problem for a while. What have you tried in the past that didn't work? And, and I tell them, well, don't try that again because it didn't work <laughs> the first time. We don't do that with the race thing. Um, if there are people who are trapped in, say, in poor neighborhoods with poor education, we don't ask them, well, what's been tried before that didn't work? We just say, well, let's try that even harder. Maybe if we did it better this time, it'll work better this time. And so we we never really listen to what the situation is, what the needs are. We just jump in and try and solve it. Mm -hmm. Or we just ignore it because the problem seems too big. And so we either, either ignore it or we just don't do anything about it. Or we try the same thing over and over again. So we have to figure out how can I listen, be attentive to the needs, and then better figure out how to solve those problems. You mentioned earlier going into areas that we're maybe unfamiliar with, uh, going into communities that, you know, going outside of our, our own little circle and going into communities that are, um, that, that are new to us, that we're unfamiliar with, get out of our comfort zone. Um, what do we need to know about taking that step? I, and I know we'll get into this a little more in some of the later sessions, but um, what's important to be mindful of when taking that step and, and getting outside of my comfort zone? Sure. I'll use this illustration. If you were going to go hiking in a new area of town, the best thing you could do is find a guide who knows the area. I recommend to Christians, if you want to go work in neighborhoods you're not familiar with, is find a guide. Find somebody in the community who's already doing that, who knows their way around, who knows their problem and situation, who could be a guide for you and help you know how better to utilize your time, your talents, and your treasures so that what you're doing with people and for people is really beneficial for people. So find a guide who really knows what you're trying to do. Is there a problem with thinking... I'm going to go help this group of people. I'm going to go, uh, I have something to, to do for them. Um, always thinking that there's something wrong and I have to go help them fix it. Right. Yeah. The, the hero complex. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, I heard in a uh, leadership session years ago, nobody needs you to be their hero. What they need from you is sometimes someone to just be a listening ear, but no one needs you to save them. So we're not really trying to save people. We're trying to walk alongside people. And sometimes it's a helping hand. Sometimes it's an encouraging word. Sometimes it's it's training. Oftentimes when I go help people, I learn more from them than they ever learned from me. So it's not always about what I can provide as much as what I learned from the experience of working with other people. Mm -hmm. 
along those lines and and bringing in our our previous conversations how do we avoid the the us versus them uh divisive thought when we when we encounter people we are unfamiliar with um in in, in context of of who our neighbor is you want to find out what you have in common and start with common ground uh because oftentimes when we go work with people we think even not necessarily we try to think that, but we kind of get this idea we're superior to them. Mm-hmm. And that comes off really quickly that you feel superior to the person you're working with. <laughs> so what you really want to do is listen more and talk less. Mm-hmm. You want to get a get a grasp of what the situation is, what the what the what they're what they're going through, what their struggles are. Uh, you want to find out um, a little bit about their life. Because sometimes they're, I think when I look when I look at what's happening in our urban areas, especially because that's where most of the, the troubles are, is I look at it as you have this community of people with broken dreams. Nobody wanted to be trapped in dangerous high crime areas. Nobody walk, woke up and said, "Yeah, this is where I want to spend the rest of my life." <laughs> but many people are trapped there because they don't have the resources or the knowledge or the opportunity to change and get out of that situation. So what we can often do is give people the tools to change their life, to discover their own gifts, talents, and abilities. Sometimes it's giving people a leg up, an opportunity they wouldn't normally have gotten. And we often have the opportunity to do that just because of who we are and what God has blessed us with. So what I'm hearing is if I am committed to stepping outside my comfort zone uh, and I take your advice, I, I find someone who can be a guide to help me into that new community. If I go into that community with this mindset of this is what's wrong and I here's what I'm going to do to help fix it, I may miss the opportunity to learn more about the, the very people I'm going to serve because I'm not listening, I'm, I'm I'm really just focused on, well, here's what I'm here to do. I, I'm here to fix X, Y, and Z. And I miss the opportunity to really hear what they actually need. Is that cool. is, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, that's correct. It, it's kind of like the idea when you're talking to God and you expect God to answer. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I think God wants to say, why don't you just shut up and listen? So if we're, <laughs> if we're constantly talking and we can't really hear from God, and sometimes we could just sit in the quietness and let God speak to us. So coming back to getting to know the people we're, we're getting to know our neighbors and who is our neighbor, how can knowing the history of people groups in the United States, particularly, you know, today we're talking about Black America and white America, how can knowing the history of Black Americans be helpful in better loving and serving our neighbors? Because you understand what the challenges are. Uh, you understand what the struggles are. You understand that this may not have been easy. And you don't tend to judge people when you understand their story. If I'm talking to somebody who I know lost their father at an early age, maybe I'm more sensitive the way that I say things or I don't tell the stories about how great my life and my father might have been because I'm like, well, that would be hurtful for them because they didn't have a father. 
So by knowing their story, you know some of the pitfalls and things to avoid saying that would be hurtful. Uh, and so that's one key part of it. It's like, what by saying this am I going to make it worse? So it's like, so if you go into a, a poor neighborhood and go, so where'd your dad go to college? Well, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's just the things that we assume everybody did because we did it. So you, you don't go assume those things when you walk into a neighborhood and go, or you wouldn't go in a neighborhood and say, so when did you stop doing drugs? You know, because <laughs> are everybody in the city on drugs? Like, so you, you avoid saying what I would call ignorant things because you just know there's a history here. Yeah, there's some struggles here, but maybe I don't want to approach that from that direction, from my perspective, my vision, my eyes, because it may not be true for everybody. What do you suggest are some good ways to learn this history uh, without without going to people and asking really terrible questions? What are some good ways to 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 be informed and and to really want to learn stories that are that are true um, and and genuine? So my wife is is German, and for her, she had to learn a little bit about the culture I grew up with, the the music I listened to, the <laughs> movies I did. So I, I would sit down with her and we would watch movies that were kind of more from my culture. And she would ask me, is that really what happened? And I would go, yeah, pretty close. And so sometimes just sitting down with somebody who can show you the culture and say, that's pretty accurate or that's not accurate, helps you to kind of go, I never knew that. Or that's that's something really I didn't even imagine could be true. And, and it helps you to kind of navigate your way through what are the things that I'm just ignorant of and unaware of that this is just phenomenal to know how that all works in your culture. So we, we've taken a look at who is my neighbor and uh, some practical steps to learning more about our neighbor in order to love our neighbor and serve our neighbor. Uh, just a sneak peek, what are we going to take a look at in the next session, Pastor? The next session, we're going to talk about um, how we are one and really looking at we're one in Christ, because what has to bring us back to before we can begin reconciliation is where does where does at the very root of who we are, what connects us all black, white, red, yellow, it doesn't matter. Where does that where do we begin? Where do we find that commonality, that unity? And, and there's a great lesson from Paul about. God doesn't view the outward appearance, but he looks at the heart. And so. Pastor Keith Haney, author of One Nation Under God, Healing the Racial Divides in America, available from Concordia Publishing House, and uh, also assistant to the President for Missions, Human Care, and Stewardship for the LCMS Iowa District West. Pastor Haney, thanks so much for being our guest on the Coffee Hour. Oh, my pleasure. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.